0: Well, hey, we are in a sermon series right now called Reset. We've been in this sermon series now for a few weeks, and we're, we're looking at, it's really a, a neat place in Scripture for me. It, it's, it's, you know, this sermon that Jesus preaches, first recorded sermon that we have that Jesus preaches, this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in, we're uh, in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. And... Um, in the very first part of this sermon that Jesus preaches, uh, there's this section of scripture that we have given the name, the Beatitudes. And uh, it, it, Jesus gives this little progression of things that needs to take place in our lives if our lives are gonna be where they're supposed to be. This is what a Christian should look like. And, um, and the fir- you have to sort of progress through these things. You've gotta get the first four of the things we've talked about right so that the rest of these things will work. And we've been looking at that, and the title of the message series is Reset, because, you know, we were thinking about 2020 and about all the stuff going on in our lives, and also about how our Christian lives kind of go along, and sometimes we become complacent. You know, we get on cruise control a little bit, and sometimes we need to push the reset button. And, And so this little group of scriptures shows us how to have a right relationship with Jesus and what our life should look like, but also it shows us if we're going to push the reset button on life, what our lives should look like, what the reset button takes us back to, kind of like at home when you push the reset button, it takes you back on something, it takes you back to the basics, and this is getting us back to the basics. So we've been looking at this for a while, we're kind of well into it, and uh, we've looked at a number of things. We talked about first and foremost that uh, it says blessed are the poor in spirit, so we learned that we need to be poor in spirit, we need to take ourselves off the throne of our life and put God on the throne of our life. That's having a relationship with Jesus. Then we need to mourn over our sinfulness. That's repenting over our sins, asking God to forgive us, to genuinely mourn over our sins and uh, over those things that aren't pleasing to God. And then we have this attitude of meekness. We, we humble ourselves before God and we know our position, that God is big and we're not so big. And, and we know uh, then our meekness out with other people as well and how we interact with our fellow uh, man and uh, uh, mankind, men man and women, men and women. And then, uh, then we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. When we get all those other things right, then we have a desire to grow in our relationship with God, so we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. And then last week we turned a corner and we can see that now, after we get those things right, our life, that there's a way that our life should look as, as, it, as we pay it forward, if you will. And there needs to be mercy. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And that's what we talked about last week. Today, we're going to look at ingredients number six, if you will, and it's the ingredient of purity. We're going to be talking about purity and a blessed are the pure in heart. So uh, I'm going to read through the Beatitudes uh, kind of quickly, and then we're going to come back and unpack this. So let's read through it. Matthew chapter five, verses three. Through 12. Jesus starts off, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then last week we looked at this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In today's verse, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this sermon that Jesus preached so many years ago. We thank you for these beatitudes, these, this list of characteristics, this list of things, God, that demonstrate to us what our lives should look like. Father, if we need to push the reset button, help us to push it. If we need to enter into a relationship with Jesus today, help those people that need to do that, to do that today. God, if we need to recommit our lives to Christ today, I pray that you will encourage us to do that. But Father, I pray that you will speak to us today, that you will help us to hear and to understand this maybe in a way we've not understood it before. Help us to understand some of the things we're going to talk about. What what is our heart? What is purity? How does all that work in our lives? Help us to see it and learn from it. And we'll give you the glory for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today our verse is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, I'm just going to kind of break this down today and its components and help us to understand what he's talking about. The first thing is this phrase, pure in heart. You know, blessed are the pure in heart. And I want to look at the word heart for just a moment and talk about the word heart. You know, as Christians, we talk about the heart all the time, don't we? I mean, we always say, you know, that that person has a good heart. That her person has a heart for the Lord. We, you know, we say stuff like that. Sometimes we'll say, boy, that person has a hard heart. Or, or, or that person needs to commit their heart to God. Or somebody gets saved and we'll use a phrase like they, 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 you know, they committed their heart to Jesus. You know, we, we use that word in Christianity a lot. We talk about the heart. And, and, and all through Scripture, that word's used a lot. Matter of fact, you can go back to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then a little bit further in the Old Testament, in Exodus, you know, we got that whole account of the nation of Israel, you know, and their journey. And and, and it says, the Lord, uh, Exodus 7, 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. So we hear that word heart again. And then in Romans, in the New Testament, we just went through the book of Romans, and Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we hear this word heart all the time. So what does it mean? What is it talking about? What is the Bible talking about? Well, the word heart is obviously not talking about your physical heart the word heart in scripture and when we talk about that as Christians is a metaphor it's 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 something that is used to describe something so it's used to describe your innermost being your heart is that place deep inside of you where your will and your emotions uh, are, are born. You know, it's that place in you that, that forms where your personality is formed. It's that place inside of you where you have those, those battles in your mind about good and evil and what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Uh, the, your heart is that place inside of you that, and this is r- really an important thing, no one genuinely knows about your heart except you and God. I've been married for 42 years this year to Nancy. And I know her pretty well, and I know her heart. I would tell you that I know her heart because I live with her every day. I know how she cares for people. I know, I see her pray. I see her do her devotions. I see her you know, cry over a situation in someone's life and try to help people. I see this heart in her, a heart for ministry. I see that in her. But as much as I know about her, and as much as I know about her personality, as much as we've lived together for all these years, I can never know her heart fully. There's only one person that can know her heart fully, and that's God. And there's only one person that can know my heart or your heart fully, and that's God. Because you say our heart is that place deepest down inside of us, the deepest place down inside of us where only we know what's going on. We know what we really feel about something, how we say it. Because so often in life, we sort of put on Uh, uh, this persona, and sometimes we, even even with the people closest to us, we don't want to see them. Maybe deep in our heart, there's some kind of a fear that resides there, and we don't want people to see it. Or maybe there's some kind of an attitude that resides there, but we mask the attitude. But really, deep down inside, the only person that knows about that is us and God. So when we talk about heart, that's what we're talking about. That little place down deep inside of you, with the core of your very being, that only you and God know what's going on there. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about the, the, the heart. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You see that little place is the control center of our mind because our thoughts come from there. And, um, you know, what, that is the thing that makes us what we are. As we think there, as we, uh, whatever's processed there, it, it comes out and that's who we genuinely are in life. So it's an important thing to understand what the heart is. But then it says, blessed are the pure in heart. So now we have to ask the question, well, okay, if that innermost part of us is our heart, what is pure? What is is purity? What does that look like? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary. Webster defines it this way. Uh, To be pure means to be free from any adulterant. It means unmixed. It means free from anything that taints. Impairs, infects, etc. Free from defects, perfect, faultless, free from sin or guilt, blameless, virgin or chaste, chaste, or of unmixed stock, pure bread. So it's a long definition, a lot of parts to it, but you get the idea of what purity is. It's an important word. And it really scripturally means the same thing about our hearts, about that place in us that only we and God know know about. And uh, you know, think about this for a moment, though, just to be very practical. I was thinking about this, and you know, we think about this when you think about purity. Uh, you know, when just think about buying chewing gum for a moment. You go out and buy a pack of gum. What are you looking for? Pure chewing satisfaction. Aren't you? I mean, you want pure chewing satisfaction. When you buy chocolate, don't you want pure chocolate? I mean, I mean you, want, you want really good chocolate when you, when you buy chocolate and stuff like that. You don't want an imitation. You want the best. You want it to be pure, untainted, you know, nothing, you know, you're, you're nothing mixed in. I mean, you want the real deal. What about going to a restaurant? You know, well, yeah, you, now, some of you are today are going to go to a restaurant after church. And you're going to eat. Uh, when, when, when the fork and spoon and knife is laid at your place setting, don't you want it to be pure? Or would you prefer there to be a speck or two on it? I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I want it to be pure. And, and so it means nothing's mixed in, that everything's clean, everything's right, everything's functioning the way that it's supposed to, to function. And, you know, we're fussy about stuff like that. I mean, all of us are, whether we maybe have different things that we're concerned about. And, uh, but you're not, you know, you're going to a restaurant, you don't want a 98% clean fork. You don't want to be scraping something off of that thing, right? And, and so it, it's, it, we don't because we know that little smidgen can cause all kinds of problems. There can be germs in there. It's been in someone else's mouth. I mean, you don't know what in the world's going on. We want it clean completely. We want it to be what? Pure, right? Well, this beatitude is saying that Jesus Christ is the same way regarding your heart and my heart. He wants that place inside of us, that, 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 that deepest, innermost part of us, the seedbed of all who we are. He wants that place to be pure, to be untainted, to, nothing mixed in, He wants 100% devotion, 100% allegiance, 100% worship. He wants that place to be directed at Him. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that that there's no room in our deepest part of us not to love our spouses, our children, our friends, or, or whoever. No, that's great and wonderful. But when it comes to our relationship with God, he wants it to be undefiled and perfect. And just, just let me tell you this. If you get that right, if you're pursuing that, because we never get it 100% right, but if we're working on it hard and that's the direction of our life, all those other things, like the people we love and care about and all those kind of those things will work out great if we get the, the primary thing right, which is focusing on God and having a pure heart before God. He wants us to have that. It's important. He says, blessed the pure in heart. So then the question becomes, what does that look like in, in our lives? Well, I kind of described it a minute ago. And, um, you know, that life is free from any mixture of things, any adulterant. Uh, it's free from uh, anything that infects it. Uh, it's free from uh, defects. So our relationship with God is, is perfect. I'm going to use a practical example for a moment, just one more example, and, and that is water. You know, I think water is probably the, the greatest example because we want clean water. You want clear water. And, and, and water can be, can be mixed with a lot of different things, and it can be, uh, have defects in it to a lot of different levels. But when you drink water, you want clear water. You want water that's, that doesn't have particles in it. You want water that doesn't smell weird. You want water that looks good. You know, I, I should have done this today, and I didn't, but I did, you know, years ago I did something about a sermon, sort of, with this same little thing about being pure, and uh, I actually went and got some water out of Lake Eloise, and I poured it through a filter and cleaned it up, and then took a sip. But people, like, you're going to die, so I, you know, but, but uh, it's, it's not a good illustration, but, uh, but, but I remember seeing the water in that container, and it was like a, it was brown, You know, like a light brown and you pour it through the filter and it becomes so clear. Well, you want it clean and you want it clear. That's why we buy water uh, filter systems for our homes and those kind of things. Well, Jesus wants our relationship with him in that place deep down inside of us. He wants our hearts to be so pure. His desire is that we strive every day, each and every day, to be as pure as we can be before Him. And that our hearts, when it comes to our relationship with Him, aren't tainted. We're not mixing our relationship with Jesus with something else. We don't allow something else to come along and rise to the level of our devotion and love for Him. That our hearts are pure towards Him. And so the question now becomes, what do we do? I mean, how do we do that? How do we do that? You know, how you know he wants 100% purity. I mean, Matthew 5, if we go a little further in Matthew, Matthew 5:48, listen to this. These kind of verses always bless your heart because you know you can't exactly get there, but you're supposed to work at it. But Matthew 5:48 says you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we need to work at being perfect. We need to 100% pure from in our hearts towards God. And then if we're going to do that, we're going to have to do what we've already talked about in Matthew 5, 6, which is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then we will be satisfied. So we're going to have to do that. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how we do it. And, and, this, and you know, sometimes when I talk about, you know, when you preach like I do, and you're always up here and you're doing this, and you say things, sometimes you said them so many times and you think everybody, you know, probably when you say this, you know, it just goes up, they don't even think about it. It's like cliche, you know, he said this 100,000 times. Oh, that's too simple. Listen to me. I, I can't be more serious right now. It's, it's, if you're gonna hunger and thirst for righteousness, and if you're gonna be pure in heart, I'm gonna give you three things three things that you need to take seriously in your life. They're not cliche. They're not something that just because you're a preacher, you say it. No, this is serious business. Number one, if you're going to be pure in heart, then you have got to spend time in God's Word. you got to do it. You're never going to be what God wants you to be if you don't spend time in the Word of God. You're never going to be that. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Word. We don't even know how to love Him correctly unless we read His Word. We don't know what he wants from us unless we read his word. We don't know how to relate to him correctly unless we read his word and study his word. So we need to be in the word of God. I mean that, that's one of the, that's just like when you that's like Christianity one oh one you just gotta be in the Word of God you've got to take some time out of your life to spend some time studying looking and memorizing God's Word or you're going to spend your entire Christian existence being this deep and this wide right if you're going to grow in your relationship if you're going to have a pure heart then you've got a hunger and thirst for righteousness and you've got to dig in and get into the word of God. The second thing, you know what's coming. You've got to pray. You've got to really pray. You've got to spend time in serious prayer before your heavenly father. You've got to talk to him about what's going on in your life. You've got to talk to him about what you need to be understanding about the stuff you're studying. You've got to ask him to help you day in and day out to live your life in a way that's pleasing to him. And, and, and in addition to having that quiet time alone with God wherever that is for you during the course of the day, in addition to all that, you've got to just continually be in prayer. I don't know about you, but I never sort of never stop praying. Does that make sense? I, I don't mean, you know, but that means that all throughout my day, I'm kind of in an open prayer because I'll, get, I'll run into one of you and you'll say, oh, my wife's not feeling good. She's at home. With, well, I got to pray now. You know, I need to pray for her. And, and so I, just, I, don't have to, I don't have to find a closet and go into it and spend all, just because you asked me that. But I can just simply say, God, bless her. You know, God, would you help her to feel better? Would you heal her? Would, you know, would you, whatever's going on in life, or somebody, you know, you get a call from somebody, or, or you run into somebody, or, or you're faced with a difficult task. Sometimes I'm sitting in my office, or sitting at home, and I'm working on a sermon, and I get to a place, and I'm trying to figure out, how can I explain this? So, because this sounds a little confusing, I have to stop, oh, God, you, you just got to help me out here. You wrote this, tell me how to say this, so they get it, Right? I mean, we have to do that. Live in a continual state of prayer. But if you're going to have a pure heart, you're going to need to be talking to God all the time because i got some news for you. Satan's always going to be whispering in your ear. Right? And you need to be talking to God and say, get that guy out of here. You know, and I'm not listening to him. And so you need to be in the word of God and you need to be praying and you need to be in some kind of fellowship with other believers. Now, I know you come to big church like this and that's great and wonderful, but you come in for about an hour, then you leave. But you need to be in some kind of relationship with other believers in some way, shape, or form so that they can encourage you and you can encourage them and you can pray for each other and you can talk about what God's word says and you gain a better understanding and they gain a better understanding and you all work together. Listen, those three things, if you just do those three things, if you make it a habit to get into the word of God, if you make it a habit to pray and to to do what I just said regarding fellowship, those three things will help you grow in your relationship with God. And then God will work in your lives, and, and, and it'll be amazing. But that's how we do it. You want to be pure in heart? You can't be pure in heart if you're not doing that stuff. You're never going to be all that God's called you to be if you're not doing that. You've got to do it. You've got to hunger and thirst for righteousness if you're going to be pure in heart. You've got to always be doing that. Because let me tell you, there's too many things out there that are competing for your time, competing for your energy that are pulling at you that will get your mind going in a different direction than the things of God, and he's going, no, 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 no. here's what you need to do. You, what does Matthew six thirty three 33 says, say? It says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these other things will be added to you. So we need to, if we're going to be pure in heart, we need to do these things. So, we can see what the heart is, We, we can we can see what pure means, and we can see how we go about Moving in the direction of being pure in heart. And then, then we, we come to this this question: what is the result of being pure in heart? Well, I think there are a few. One, you will be blessed. Now we remember we looked at that, the the the, the word in the original language that, that's used in every one of these is makarios. It means it means enthusiastic, it means blissful, it means happy, it means fortunate, it means well off, it means a lot of those things. And so Basically, if you were to sum all that up and just, in, you know, the Ed Kendrick version, I would say if you want your life to be pleasing to God and you want your life to work the way it's supposed to, then you need to do these things. So, so our life works uh, and we bring, we bring glory to God and we please God and, and we're approved by God when we do these things. So we're blessed and we've been talking about that. So if, so if we're pure in heart, then we're blessed. And then um, it says you will see God. Now, I think this is interesting because, um, it, first of all, it says bust of the pure in heart, and look at this word, for they will see God. Okay, so that verse says this, if you're not pure in heart, you're not going to see God. Okay, so that you need a relationship with God. You got to go back to the first of the Beatitudes. You got you to be... Poor in spirit, you got to take yourself off the throne of your life and put God on the throne of your life. you got to repent, you got to be mourn, mournful over your sin, repent for your sins. you got to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You cannot be pure in heart if you don't have a relationship. You can be a good person, a nice person, but you can't be pure in heart. You can't be pure in heart like God is describing here unless you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can be pure in heart. He says, they, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. Well, I think that you see God in a couple of different ways. One way that you see God when you're pure in heart is you see God in the here and now. You see Him in the present. Because when you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and when you're striving to be as much as you can like God and to have this incredible relationship with God and you want to be pure in heart, and you're moving in that direction, God is pleased with your life and God gets involved in your life and He a- answers your prayers and He's there for you, Right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but I need God in my life. Day in and day out, I need God in my life. I need him to be there for me. I, I, I need to be able to call on him. I, I want him listening. I want to have a great relationship with him. And so, so right now, in the here and now, you get to see God. You get to see God in action right now. The Holy Spirit working in your life, working through your life. You get to see that. But we also get to see God for eternity. Because the Bible tells us if we have a personal relationship with Jesus, that one day that whether G- if Jesus comes back before we die or if we die before Jesus comes back, we get to go spend our eternity with God in heaven. So we get to see God. Well, who's that reserved for, pure in heart? Those people who have a relationship with Jesus, those people who are striving to live for Him day in and day out. And so we can see that it's important that we get this. Right. It says that we get to see him face to face. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We get to see him one day. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here's what I want you to do today. I want to end it a little different Today. A little bit different. Right now, I want everybody in the room, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes and bow bow your head. And I want you to ask yourself some questions. I'm going to guide you through this, and I want you to ask yourself these questions. Number one, I want you to ask yourself this. Is my heart, my innermost being, that place that no one can see but me and God, is it pure? I want you to be honest with yourself and ask yourself that question. Ask yourself this, do I really desire more than anything else a pure, undefiled, defect-free, untainted relationship with Jesus? Is that where I am? Am I striving for 100% purity. Now, this is a big question, this next one. Or have I settled for 50%? For 80%? For 90%? For 10%? You have to answer those questions. And, 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 and If if you've settled for less, I pray this morning that you'll ask God for forgiveness. I pray this morning that you will ask Him to help you in your pursuit of purity. I pray that if you are a believer and a Christ follower, that you will recommit your life to Him and rededicate your life to Him today. And if you've never embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I pray that today that you'll make the decision to become a Christ follower. The Bible tells us that if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and if we will believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead that we will be saved. You see that's beatitude number 1. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see we have to come to a place in our life to where we recognize that we're sinners. And that we're separated from God because of our sinfulness. And so we remove ourselves from worshiping ourselves and take ourselves off the throne of our lives and we place God on the throne. We have to pray and ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and our Savior. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you today to do that. If you feel God tugging at your heart today, I I pray that you will respond in the affirmative. I pray that you will will pray today and, and ask Him to save you. Matter of fact, if if you know you need a relationship with God, and if you genuinely and you sincerely and honestly desire that relationship, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray. You can just pray with me. Close your eyes, everybody. Just just pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. and God, right now, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm taking myself off the throne of my life, and I'm placing you there repenting of my sins God I'm asking you to forgive me and turn my life in a different direction and right now Jesus in the best way that I know how and I understand all of this I'm committing my life to you I'm going to need your help and I'm counting on it and I thank you for promising it to me So, Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for changing my life. I thank you for changing my destination, for changing my heart. And I give you my life. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, that's incredible. And so we want to know that. And so anytime now, uh, if you prayed that prayer, um, you know, you can slip out go to the back door and we've got people who on, on our prayer team that will talk to you about that, pray with you, answer questions if you're not sure about all this whatever you need or maybe you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, you've had one for a while perhaps but when I ask that question about where you are on the percentage scale as far as purity of heart you are like, nah, I'm 60%, or, I'm or 50 Maybe today you need to recommit your life to Christ. Recommit to trying really hard, to working hard, to have 100% purity in your heart. If you need to pray with someone, you can go back and pray as well. Or maybe you're here today and you just need prayer about something. Something's going on in your life, your family, work, whatever it is, and you just need someone to pray with you, you can go back and our prayer team will meet with you and pray with you as well. You can send us prayer requests online take those seriously. We pray for every one of them, just like if you were putting them on the cross. I don't know what you need to do. That's the most frustrating thing as pastors. I just don't, I wish I could just see into your lives. You're going, oh no, we don't want, but but I I really wish I could see into your lives and just know what you need. But but I know this. I, I don't know what everybody here needs independently, but I know this. There's not a person in this place that doesn't need Jesus. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe it's growing in Him. Maybe it's a new relationship. I don't know. But you do whatever God leads you to do. And if you'll do that, it'll all be good. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross that we could be forgiven of our sins and spend our eternity with you. We thank you, God, that you enable us and equip us to be pure in heart. And we ask for your help in that. Help us to be the kind of people that you've called us to be. Help us to live our lives in such a way that we're the very best versions of ourselves that you've created us to be. And for that, we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.